Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here to start the week off in what I think we are all expecting is going to be a pretty crazy week around the NBA. The draft is coming up in just a few days' time. And as he is basically on every single Sunday, Justin Garcia from the Bucks Radio Network uh, joins me. You'll know his voice, and you can when the season rolls around. Again, hear him there. And also on the Bucks in 60 podcast, uh, Justin, I thought that we were going to be here and we were going to talk about James Harden and we were going to talk about some of the rumors there and some of the other teams. But we've had a little news dump here from Shams Sharania over at The Athletic who has dropped the news that Wesley Matthews has declined his $2.7 million player option for the 2021 season. Uh, What's your first reaction here? Not totally stunned. Um... You know, as we were talking before, I basically once the offseason started was a little surprised by it seemed like the overwhelming opinion of Bucks fans was the decision on whether or not Wesley Matthews would be back with the Bucks in 2020-21 was entirely up to the Bucks, as if it was, well, you know, it'd be nice to have Wes back. We'll see if there's another upgrade we can get out there. Otherwise, we we do have him that we can bring back. And I've long thought, look, I mean, we knew and we talked about during the season how much of a bargain he was to get at that rate of under $3 million. I always thought there's going to be suitors out there for Wesley Matthews. And the Lakers were one of the teams that I think a lot of us feared man, what if the Lakers showed an interest in him? And, you know, today, that's really what I took from it was – you know, we should have known this was a strong possibility, and it doesn't necessarily slam the door on Wesley Matthews' tenure with the Bucks. But seeing a team like, hey, the Lakers are very interested in him, it makes a lot of sense, and that's probably the worst possible news to have seen. Yeah, so Mark Stein reporting that the Lakers have interest in Wesley Matthews, and we can tie all this in together because really all this news uh, relates to the Bucks in regards to what we've seen today. So Dennis Schroeder also traded to the Lakers. Danny Green in a pick 28 uh, involved there. So we're going to circle back to the Schroeder news. But it does make sense because uh, now that Danny Green is out, clearly he was a starting player with the Lakers. He was a guy that they often played in the fourth quarter. It makes sense that they would have interest in Wesley Matthews as a guy that, uh, look, let's be honest, defensively, if you're rolling out Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Wesley Matthews in the fourth quarter, it doesn't get much tougher than that. And now they've added the offensive punch at the point guard spot that they really never had with Dennis Schroeder as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this all plays out from a Lakers point of view, and we'll come back to that. But I, I think the question we need to ask, and this is something that has certainly um, had Bucks fans talking, they've speculated about it, we've certainly brought it up, on the show, Wesley Matthews, obviously a local guy. And I think we all thought last year, the fact that he was coming to the Bucks made some sense. If you remember, he was at the paces as a buyout player. 
And it was kind of interesting how all this played out. Because at the time, the Pacers, this is going back to the 2018-19 season, the Pacers had lost Victor Oladipo. They really almost needed a, a first or second scorer with Bogdanovich there, who was there as well. And Wesley Matthews came in and they asked a lot of him offensively. He got up a lot of shots. And to me, him going to the Pacers in any situation was him saying, I want to get one last contract here. I want to make an impact. I want to have the ball in my hands. So the fact that he ended up signing with a discount with the Bucks, I was like, okay, well, this is just a guy that wants to play at home now. He's probably ready to finish his career in Milwaukee and he'll be here for the next couple of years and be on playoff teams and we'll see what role he can have. He ended up being a starter and really a godsend for the Bucks, if you think about it, with Malcolm Brogdon leaving and they had a huge hole in the starting lineup. Dante DiVincenzo was not ready to take that role and Wesley Matthews stepped in and while the box score doesn't exactly suggest that he was a hugely impactful player, he certainly was defensively and the Bucks needed him. Yeah, I mean, he was he was much better than expected, I think, for most of us that, you know, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about Wesley Matthews' offense and the ways that the Bucks were going to be able to replace Malcolm Brogdon. And we kept circling back to Wesley Matthews and Kyle Korver and how, look, you're going to get a, a higher volume of three-point attempts from these two guys than he did Malcolm Brogdon. None of us, I don't think, ever, ever imagined the defensive impact that Wesley Matthews would give this team. And, you know, outside of Brooke, I know Giannis won the defensive player of the year, but, you know, Brooke Lopez was arguably their best defender overall. Wesley Matthews was right up there last year. When you think about just the array of assignments he was asked to take on, whether it was a James Harden a couple of times a year, we saw him defending guys like Tobias Harris and basically threes and fours that he was able to do everything. And that's something that the Bucks just weren't able to do with Malcolm Brogdon as much as they could with Wesley Matthews, where he was a defensive Swiss Army knife, and it made that defense even better. Yeah, such a versatile player and really unexpected. I did not expect him to play the level of defense that he did, as you said, really sliding up from uh, Harden to then LeBron and, and all in between. I mean, he was a guy that defended from the two to four positions. Uh, I guess the one, if you want to say James Harden, was essentially a point guard for the Rockets as well. So just so versatile. And we spoke about it a lot, but a huge key to Chris Middleton uh, being relieved on the defensive end and not having to have those matchups. I, I still think it's a cop-out, and I will accept that, that this is a cop-out for Chris Middleton. It's the playoffs. You have to be able to do it on both ends. But certainly in the series the year earlier against uh, the Raptors, I mean, he was very visibly fatigued. And you can say whatever you want about that, but the fact that Wesley Matthews came in and was able to take those roles was so huge for Chris during the season. But that brings us to a really interesting point here. And this is, again, something that's been brought up a lot. Wesley Matthews played 24.4 minutes per game in the regular season. Now, I know maybe he wasn't all that happy with that. But, I mean, you've got a guy like Eric Bledsoe playing 26-27 and Giannis and Chris under 30 or right on 30. So all the starters played low minutes. So I think if you're 34, you have to look at that and say, well, this is great. Get me through the regular season. We're winning. This situation is fantastic. My role is ideal for me. I don't think you could complain about that. In the playoffs, his minutes actually went up to 24.6 per game, but the really staggering number. And we, we spoke about this a lot during the series with Miami when Wesley Matthews was absolutely glued to the bench for some reason when Jimmy Butler was going crazy endlessly in the fourth quarter. He played four minutes per game in the fourth quarter in the postseason, which was down from seven in the regular season. And I don't think that we should underplay this, that if you're Wesley Matthews and you've taken the key assignments 
all year long. And you've been the guy that's been asked to defend all these players. When he gets to the postseason, you sit on the bench while Jimmy Butler is going off and you've actually defended him pretty well during the series so far. I don't think that should be underestimated. I think that he would have every right to be pretty pissed off by that. Certainly has a case. And if, if uh, memory serves, uh, I think it was game three where he actually played a significant amount in the fourth quarter. I, I believe it was game three after that game yeah. two, where was the first instance of it standing out. Uh, so, I mean, if you take that out of the mix, the numbers per game in the fourth quarter probably dips even lower for Wesley Matthews in that series against Miami, especially. So, uh, look, it, it's, it's, it's definitely something that you can't just discount that, you know, if you're Wesley Matthews, I know we often overuse the term and value with starters, but if you're Wesley Matthews, you're a starter, you're a veteran, you're asked to take on the toughest uh, defensive assignment there uh, for your team and come the fourth quarter, you're nowhere to be seen. And for it to happen once, I think you chalk it up and you're willing to give the benefit of the doubt to the coach and say, well, we thought we could basically outsmart him and, and go with this strategy instead. But when it happened again in what game five, um, I mean, that is definitely something that Wesley Matthews is going to have to, um, I guess, really mull over here in the offseason when he's deciding where is it he's likely going to finish his career. Because at that age, and you know, you mentioned coming to Milwaukee thinking, you know, this is probably it. I would imagine this is probably the last contract that Wesley Matthews signs. So, you know, when you're talking about what's most important, winning the championship and, and where you finish your career and how it finishes, those are all things you have to take into consideration. The NBA Draft is finally here and the Locked On Podcast Network will have live draft coverage this year on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch at Locked On Live. It will be the only place you can find Chad Ford, the GOAT of draft analysis on the night. Join Chad, Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks, and David Locke for the most in-depth coverage of the NBA Draft featuring analysis from Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated. Follow Locked On Live on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch and get alerts as soon as they go live. Uh, and on draft night, just make sure you've got the snacks ready. And the only snack that I would be talking about is the best tasting protein bar ever made, uh, Built Bar. They have 18 amazing flavors. Uh, since the relaunch, going back a couple of months ago, they've added six new flavors. So caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. They're all involved there. And the 12 original flavors, if you like those, you've got German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, uh, the list goes on and on. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy because they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Great for those on the Kato diet. And we've got a great deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. I've heard a number of podcasts just going through what the Bucks should do in the offseason as, as everyone is doing right now. And uh, a few times I hear these national guys say, well, the Bucks really need a guy that's able to defend a guy like Jimmy Butler because they really had no one to defend him. And it almost, I almost just, I, I lose my mind listening to it. I'm like, well, they did have the guy. I know that a lot of you didn't watch the Bucks during the regular season because, uh, let's be honest, they beat down on everyone. And I understand that perhaps that wasn't the most attractive basketball for you to watch, but they had the guy. He was just sitting on the bench. So this 
would be a significant loss for Milwaukee. I don't think that we should act like losing Wesley Matthews means all of a sudden that everything's over. I mean, he is a replaceable player, but he played a significant role that the Bucks would have to uh, find someone to fill that gap. Now, the $2.7 million uh, for next season that he has declined, uh, we know as a 10-year player in the league, that was basically the max minimum contract you can get and we the league helps out those teams and encourages them to sign the veterans by paying a portion of that uh, salary as well there would be some rise there and frank's mentioned it a couple of times in the podcast here there is an there is a possibility that matthews may be uh, confusing us all fooling us all and he actually is going to return to milwaukee but he just wants an extra year on the end so there is some yeah. avenue that he could sign a, another one-year deal with a player option for next season and maybe that would be what they've discussed and, and what they want to do. So uh, that's an option there. Uh, the other way the Bucks could sign him, and this is not a path I think they're going to go down, is they could use the uh, Jared Bayless uh, exception there or the mid-level, so the biannual or the mid-level exception there. He's not a player that they're, they're going to do that. I don't think that's uh, a path. But as you sort of pointed to, we kind of have to be realistic about this. <laughs> if... Wesley Matthews is sitting there right now and saying, well, I really just desperately want a title before I finish. And the Lakers are interested in, you know, I mean, the Lakers are probably rightfully so more of a chance to win the title next year than the Bucks. We can be honest about that. I mean, you still have the best player in the league in, in LeBron James and you're the reigning champion. So it's hard to argue with that and, and say that that, Want to present a large or a better chance at winning a championship, and you know the thing about West too is, I guess if we want to look at both sides, on the one hand, you could say everything we just went through that he was able to do last season and how he made your defense better. Uh, you know, can we realistically expect the same production for a player of his age with some of the injury history that he has as well? And especially if, as we brought up, look, this doesn't necessarily signal the end of Wesley Matthews in Milwaukee. There, there could be, I'm declining this year to sign a multi-year deal with the Bucks. But to that point, is that something, is that really an avenue you want to go down with those things? On the other side, though, um, it would be a very big loss. And I know you're not saying that it isn't. But the thing about it to me is if Wesley Matthews ultimately decides to go elsewhere, the loss for the Bucks would be big in the sense that, number one, your depth at that position was already stretched extremely thin as it was. And we just spent some time talking about, I'm not sure who the options are at that specific position for you in the offseason, where some of the names we've floated out there, like you know Danilo Gallinari and names of that nature, and, and Robert Covington, sure, you can with Covington, you can get by with some of the things Wesley Matthews did. But in the sense of getting another guard and another wing player, which the Bucks desperately needed, and that was on display in the Heat series, it's a big blow there. Some of the moves that we've heard talked about, where what assets do the Bucks have if they're going to pull off a trade here, the two assets that you really have that we hear mentioned the most are the 24th pick and Dante DiVincenzo. If Wesley Matthews is gone, Dante DiVincenzo is more than likely off the table in any scenario for the Bucks, depending on what you get back. And I just it really handcuffs you if he is gone because it, it takes a shot at your depth and the corresponding moves that you could make, I'm not sure what's out there, you know, short of 
somehow turning Dante DiVincenzo and or the pick into another starting caliber two guard, I don't know that you can really do anything from that point forward. So it almost handcuffs you in that sense as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I certainly, we've spoken about all the players and we're trying to cover everyone that could potentially be an option for the Bucks to acquire here over the next few weeks and admittedly next few months. It's really hard to predict how they would fill that hole. I think the my initial thoughts were, if you wanted, let's be honest, just a better player, then the reported interest, again, from Kevin O'Connor in Robert Covington makes sense. His $12 million salary is obviously a salary they can get to quite comfortably in a trade, whether it is just straight up Eric Bledsoe. And I know then you have huge problems at the point guard position. So you're chasing your ass. There's no doubt about that. But Covington... Certainly defensively, when you talk about guys like Kawhi and LeBron James, I mean, Covington makes a hell of a lot of sense. And at this point in his career, is a better player than Wesley Matthews. Like, let's be honest about that. Because I do think that the Bucks' offensive struggles in the fourth quarter, that's where the, the trouble was for Bud. That's where the difficult decision was for him in the fourth quarter of the playoffs. Because he's like, I can leave Wesley Matthews out there and he can play on Jimmy Butler, but we just can't score right now. And, and Wes really is just going to stand at the three-point line. So he was trying different combinations, trying to get different guys out there to get some offense. So I have posted a, a bunch of stuff and I'll continue to go through that as the week goes on the show here, but just different players, whether it is a Gallinari, whether it is a Covington or a Patty Mills, I spoke about a little bit. and. The overwhelming, I wouldn't say overwhelming, but some of the sentiment I get from Bucks fans is like, yeah, but then look at the defense. And it's like, I know, but you can't, you're not going to be able to keep it all here. Like, you're going to have some give and some take here to make this work. And that's why this offseason is so difficult for the Bucks. And to be honest, that's why they're in a kind of a, a really tough situation right now. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately you need to score, right? That look, you can point to the numbers dictating you need to have a top 10 offense and defense. And historically teams with great defenses do go on to win the NBA championship. But really, I mean, that ugly Pistons team from, from the early 2000s is the outlier where you would say it was all defense. And that was a different era of the NBA. You still need to be able to score. And uh, I guess that's the tough thing about Wesley Matthews because all the things I just outlined where, look, let's not overstate this, but it is pretty bad for the Bucks if he were to leave. Uh, on the flip side, there is what you said, where, look, as great as the defense was, you can probably get by with a hit to that defense if you're the Bucks when you have the defensive player of the year. We're assuming that Brooke Lopez is still going to be a part of the team, and who knows, Eric Bledsoe, as of right now, is still a part of the team. You still have good individual defenders what this team's biggest issue was in the postseason was generating offense. And that's an area where, for all the good that he brings to the table, Wesley Matthews just doesn't bring it. And I'm sure that was part of the balance that we saw with Bud, where you know it's easy for us, the fans, to say, why the hell aren't you playing Wesley Matthews right now? But if we can see both sides of the coin, the offense wasn't doing anything to inspire a lot of optimism in any of those, most of those games, at least for the Bucks, especially late, where... I'm sure that was a part of the decision that Bud was making and grappling with there as well of, yeah, look, maybe Wesley Matthews can slow down Jimmy Butler, but maybe he doesn't. And we know where we're at offensively. We got to try and get something going here. And, you know, just as we said, maybe last year was the best case scenario for Wes. 
I can't imagine a scenario where the offense gets progressively better in the in the remaining few years of his career. So Kevin O'Connor reported, and this again ties back into Wesley Matthews because you talk about the guard situation for the Bucs. And, and another guy that's worth mentioning that we've spoke about a lot in regards to a sign and trade, potentially Bogdan Bogdanovich. He could be a starter if Wesley Matthews isn't around. Of course, as we've spoke about, if you can sign Wesley Matthews again to the minimum deal, then you do it in a, in a heartbeat. And even if you think his production is going to drop off, and even if you think his defense is going to decline over the next two years, that's why at 34 years old, uh, going to be turning 35, you don't use any more money on him. You just say, okay, this sucks, but we're going to find another way to replace you because of his age right now. But Kevin O'Connor reported that the Bucks were pursuing a trade for Dennis Schroeder. And he says they were deep in negotiations uh, last week. And in the end, as we mentioned, uh, the Lakers got... Uh, Schroeder there for Danny Green and pick 28. It also should be noted that the Lakers had floated the possibility of trading for Eric Bledsoe. So uh, we, we we spoke about this a lot, the connection there, LeBron and Bledsoe's relationship, uh, that the Lakers might be a team that would take him. I guess if you're Milwaukee, and I assume this is why the trade didn't go down, uh, first of all, they may just think that Schroeder is a better player than Bledsoe and a better fit for them. I'm, I'm not going to argue with that if that's the way they assess the trade. The other part would be that perhaps the Bucs were just like, uh, we, we don't want Danny Green on this team. It doesn't really make sense. He wouldn't be starting because we've got Chris Milton and we have Giannis there, so he wouldn't be a starter. We've seen his three-point shot has been terrible at times. At this point, he looks like he's pretty heavily declining as well. So can we get better for Eric Bledsoe? Because we speak about him maybe being a guy that's difficult to trade, but with all these rumors starting to swirl around, I do think there's going to be a deal done for Eric Bledsoe. It just had, seems that that's the way we're trending. And if that's what the Lakers were offering up, Danny Green, I'm probably out on that. See, I'm not so sure because, um, you know, you factor in things too, like Rajon Rondo out there on the market that if you're in the hunt for a veteran type of point guard, Rajon Rondo is a guy you can just sign opposed to giving up an asset for Eric Bledsoe that I think that's something that definitely hampers his value. The other thing that Bucks fans need to come to grips with is um, had that trade went through, and we're assuming it was for Danny Green just given what the Lakers gave up for Dennis Schroeder, but had that trade gone through, there's a pretty good chance Eric Bledsoe clicks with the Lakers in what he is going to be asked to do. And it's very different to be the third option. We're assuming third option to LeBron and Anthony Davis versus Giannis and Chris, where you're still going to have to shoulder a little more offensively in Milwaukee than you would in Los Angeles. That would have been the ideal scenario. You talked about the relationship with LeBron James and, you know, getting him in a similar system that with the way that Frank Vogel has instructed or, or constructed that defense for the Lakers. And they do similar things with funneling everything to the basket. Uh, I think Eric Bledsoe really would have thrived. And then if you're a disgruntled Eric Bledsoe, Bucks fan, uh, you would have to really come to grips with seeing, okay, we've been calling for his head and we've wanted him gone. Now it happens. Maybe it's Danny Green that comes back. Maybe that doesn't really work out for the Bucks. And then you see Eric Bledsoe go on to have success in Los Angeles. It would have been the ultimate gut punch. Well, again, I mean, you should expect if the Bucks trade Eric Bledsoe that he's going to be a good player because <laughs> we've seen him be a good player. Now, the question is, does he do it in the playoffs? I mean, who knows? We don't know whether that's the case. And even then, and that's why I say it, is because, look, what he would have been asked to do with the Lakers versus what he's 
needed to do here. It's a much different story that in the playoffs, you still have LeBron and we saw what Anthony Davis did. So it's a, it's a much different scenario for him than it is here. Uh, absolutely. And, and again, I mean, you look at what LeBron can do uh, with the ball in hand. There's obviously less responsibility on the point guard with the Lakers as there is on the Bucks to create. Because uh, again, I mean, you're comparing LeBron uh, well, essentially, you're comparing Anthony Davis to Chris Milton. Anthony Davis, uh, you're talking about a top five player in the league right there. So the situation would be different. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens with Eric Bledsoe. Dennis Schroeder is interesting, though, because I think he, he was highlighted by us as a guy the Bucks could have some interest in. Uh, another one of those guys that has the Mike Budenholzer connection. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I know uh, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but Jeff Teague is out there as a free agent, and so is Paul Millsap, two guys that I'm really not excited about. But they've got the bud connection, and we've seen with George Hill and Ersan Uyasova, uh, among others, that uh, bud you know, doesn't mind bringing back an old friend. I, um, the Schroeder thing was interesting because, look, I, I'm not convinced that essentially it had, had you swapped out Dennis Schroeder for, or Eric Bledsoe for Dennis Schroeder, I'm not convinced that actually makes you better, and that's just mm-hmm. more of – we're doing something because we need to do something differently. Uh, the thing with Jeff Teague is it's, it's almost like a, a very poor man's Dennis Schroeder. So I would have even less optimism in a move with Jeff Teague. I mean, that's, if you bring in Schroeder, uh, sorry, if you bring in Teague, let's be honest, this is a free agent signing minimum contract where you don't have any other options. And maybe, uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know which direction you're going, but you certainly wouldn't be looking to start him. I, I think the other th- point that we should make here with George Hill is that he's also aging and he's a guy that you want to protect and he's a guy that you don't want to play big minutes so if you bring in a Schroeder for instance you can't underestimate the the loss you're going to have on the defensive end I know I said before that you got to give something to take but I really do think the the Bucs do need a point guard that's going to play some defense well there's a couple of things Um, number one I feel like just as I said I, I tried to kind of put the cautions out there at the start of the offseason of let's not just assume that Eric, that Wesley Matthews is back and that it's primarily the Bucks' choice here. I get the sense that what you just brought up, a lot of Bucks fans are kind of have the feeling of, well, we'll move on from Eric Bledsoe and we can get anything for him because we have George Hill. When, look, some of the same things that we just said about Wesley Matthews apply to George Hill as well. And We've just seen George Hill's best usage. You don't want George Hill as your starting point guard and the guy that's really playing heavy minutes. You want him to be one of those first guys off the bench that is really your ideal backup uh, point guard or at least backup combo guard. So any type of move you would have where if you would leave yourself vulnerable at the point guard position and your backup plan is, well, we have George Hill, so we can just slide him in. I don't think that's a viable option. So I would be very hesitant to do anything uh, of that nature if I'm John Horst, and I would assume they are as well. The other thing about uh, Jeff Teague, too, is if that were to happen, and I I agree. Look, I'm not saying that they would bring him in as the starting point guard, but if that were to happen, doesn't it kind of feel like when uh, you have that pair of friends that you always wonder, like, why didn't those two ever date? And then a couple of years down the road, it actually happens and it just ends miserably. And you're like, well, that was why where we think back, it seems like with the bucks, it's always these names that get tossed out there. And it's like, it's spoken into existence. If it was Mirza Toledovic or Delhi that we had gone over before Jeff Teague with the bucks signing the offer sheet to try and bring him here. And then years later, it finally happens. And then you see 
this isn't the guy that we thought we were getting. So let me throw something at you here and we're going to look to wrap this up. And I, I will point out that John Horst is actually speaking to the media tonight. So I guess it's Monday morning. Let me try. Monday morning. Out. Yeah. yeah. Monday Wisconsin morning. Tonight for me. <laughs> tonight yeah. for me. And let me just tell you what time it is. And I always do this because yes, I want credit from the listeners and the Bucks fans for getting up in the middle of the night. Okay. So please, I don't know. Sympathy, uh, credit. Tell me I'm doing a good job. I don't know. 3 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. I'll be up. So it's, it's almost like we're back in the bubble again. How good is this? 3 a.m. Australian Time, uh, 11 a.m. Central Time. John Horst is going to speak. So in tomorrow's episode, I'll have a bunch of audio from that and we'll be able to talk through some of the interesting questions I'm sure he's going to get. But as we wrap this up, let me throw this at you because I, I felt a little bit bad about this, but I was talking a lot about Paddy Mills on the weekend and that was because he was rumoured uh, Kevin O'Connor said that Paddy Mills was talking to uh, the Bucks, or the Spurs and the Bucks had conversed about a potential trade. So let me just throw a scenario at you here because we spoke about this guy. George Hill uh, lives not far. He's got a ranch not far out of San Antonio. Played for the franchise. Has a relationship with Greg Popovich. We know that Bud and Greg Popovich have a relationship together. We know Bud was in San Antonio when Paddy Mills was there and he loves Paddy. He's spoken about that before. Do you see any way, because people said, well, how are you going to get the trade off? The Spurs have a bunch of young guards that they need to play. Hill had a fantastic year this year, but he is a little bit older. Paddy Mills does seem like he can bring a little bit more to the table. The Bucs might have to add something to that deal. I don't know what that would be. Do you see any way that that's a swap that goes down? Because I've said this before, you might have to pivot to the realization that Bledsoe is going to stay in Milwaukee. He's going to be a starting point guard. He's going to make this team very, very good next year. And with Bledsoe in the team, you're going to be very good and you're going to win a bunch of games because he is a good player. But you need perhaps a better offensive option that can create and do some more things late in the fourth quarter. And to me, if you're talking about a guy that I have more faith in in the postseason, getting something done off the dribble, shooting off the catch, running pick and roll. I'm taking Patty Mills over Bledsoe and George Hill. It's, you know, I never thought about that exact swap. It is interesting because like we just spent some time saying in the back of your mind, you do have to have a concern that if, sooner or later, it's going to start to turn for George Hill that he's 34. So he's two years older than Patty Mills. And, if this is a team that we're constructing around Giannis and you're gearing up to keep Giannis here long-term, some of the names that we mentioned here that have played really vital roles for this Bucks team are in their approaching their mid thirties, that it's a team that very quickly, I'm not going to say got very old, but they got older very quickly in just a span of a couple of years. So it is one thing that you need to be cognizant of. It does kind of feel like, as we said, the, the Dennis Schroeder and Eric Bledsoe swap would have kind of been, you know, just doing something differently. Uh, it, it, it kind of feels like that's what this would be of, Hey, we mm-hmm. just got to change something. So let's just do this. Um, but that at least makes more sense to me. If you're talking about swapping who would essentially be your backup number one guard um, for vice versa with the other team opposed to, a guy that we're asking to step in and be our starting point guard, that's a much different ask. I would basically say to Bucks fans, get used to and get comfortable with the notion that Eric Bledsoe is going to be here this year. Um, but that one, just because of some of the, the age concerns that you're going to start to get into, 
And just for the sense of if you're going to do something differently, the backup combo guard point guard seems like the spot where it's most viable to say, all right, we're just going to swap ours for yours and we'll try and see if this is a better fit. I would be in favor of it. Yeah. And again, uh, to be clear, like I'm not, (laughs) I'm not trying to say that that's the home run move. That's going to make a huge difference or move the needle or bring you closer to a title. But I, again, I do think that that's something that makes sense. Um, you know, maybe, and, and you would be relying on the fact that maybe George Hill would want to be closer to, to his ranch, oh, perhaps. Yeah. Or uh, the other thing to take note of that is he might say, well, I came to Milwaukee and I resigned in Milwaukee because I want to win. I'm not going to San Antonio, a team that's right. going to be on the fringe of the playoffs. So that obviously makes sense. And George Hill obviously has done a bunch of you know great things in the Milwaukee community as well. So probably a guy you want to keep around, but that's at least, there's enough links there that you could, you wouldn't be shocked if that happened. No, you wouldn't be shocked. And, um, you know, this has probably not been the most encouraging for Bucks fans to hear when we're basically just <laughs> yeah. shooting holes through, well, they could do this or this. And uh, essentially coming back to the opinion of, you know what, I don't know that there is a major move out there for this team. And now that we say that, something major is going to happen in the next couple of days. Uh, but I think it was our friend uh, Brian Sampson that runs the Bucks Film Room account who said, it, and I couldn't agree with him more, that we're spending so much time hung up on the big move for the Bucks, And whether it's Gallinari or pulling off another big trade, you know, the Chris Paul stuff when it was there early, we're focusing on that when ultimately – Look, it's a tougher sell, and especially once you see what's happening in the Eastern Conference, potentially happening as well with some other moves, your window may be starting to close. But even if the Bucks just make smaller scale moves and you rely on uh, more individual growth from players like Giannis and some potential tweaks from the philosophies and coaching, if you still hit it on the margins and make small moves like for instance, George Hill for Patty Mills. And if that's something there where all of a sudden we're getting things from Patty that we didn't necessarily get from George and this is a better fit, if you hit it with moves like that, that may be all you need to do to get to that next level this year. All right. Let's leave it there for today because we could probably roll on and on and on and on. And I, I do get the feeling by tomorrow things are going to change again and we will wait and see. Of course, Robin Lopez, the other player, uh, with a player option there that I think we both agree that he's probably more likely to opt into that. That's around $5.5 million. But like I said, John Horst speaking Monday morning. Uh, so tomorrow's episode, make sure you tune in. We will have all the reaction and some audio from that as well for you guys. But uh, Justin, it's, uh, I, I don't think that this is going to be the first episode where we've got plenty of news to dissect here in the next couple of weeks. Well, again, now that I kind of said, look, I kind of feel like it's going to be smaller scale moves. Something major is going to end up happening (laughs) now sometime this week. And I'll just say this. I know you're going to get into it much later throughout the week with the James Harden talk, but that is one thing to keep an eye on, not even for what it would do to the East if if he went to Brooklyn, but because if James Harden gets moved, that is signaling more than anything, Houston is ready to tear it down and completely rebuild and that's when, you know, some of those names we mentioned, Robert Covington, if you're the Bucks, you definitely circle back and say, look, we'll just give you the salaries to match. We'll take Covington. We'll give you, even if it's, you know, uh, Robin Lopez and Ursan, which I think those salaries would get it done in our expirings. We'll give you that and maybe a future second or something for Robert Covington. There's a decent chance you could get that if Houston is already starting to sell off assets. Houston are going to be a team to watch. I'm going to keep saying that. I have literally no idea 
uh, what is going to happen with them next season. But uh, I know you'll be back at some point, whether it's this week or in uh, next week. But uh, I know uh, whenever you are, there's going to be plenty to talk about. So I appreciate you coming on. Anytime, my man. All right. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to see what happens tomorrow, and we will be back. Like I said, John Hollis, don't miss it. I never really say this too often, but uh, if you do enjoy the show, subscribe and rate and uh, all those uh, types of things because it does really help us out a lot. But for Justin and myself, Kane Pittman, we will be back. Take care. We'll speak to you guys then.